This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. EJ, little Thanksgiving break. Uh, hopefully, we were able to recharge the batteries just a little bit by taking a week off. We are back this week. How are you doing? I'm good. I thought about this uh, for the last couple of days, and we've, we've gone back and forth and sort of riffed on where, where should we go now that things are different? Um, so I think the content is going to shift a little bit and I, I think it's a good shift. I think it's a fun shift. Uh, folks in the, in the comments already are sort of leaning towards where we're going. Um, so I think we will probably hit the right note, but I also thought about what I was going to drink because it's not really like sadness. Uh, you know, again, we sort of expected it to go this way, not necessarily the injuries, but the overall result. And then I thought back to a conversation we had while you were here. Um, about what, how to treat, how you approach good liquor, right? Good, whatever you like, good bourbon, good tequila. Like if you go get a really nice bottle, do you, do you save it? Do you, do you hoard it? Do you only break it out on, you know, very special occasions or do you just drink it on Wednesdays and say, I'm lucky to be able to do this. Um, and what we sort of settled on that we, we definitely agreed on was it should be enjoyed with friends like that's what it's for like you can drink it by yourself and enjoy it that's fine but if you get a really good bottle and it's got some meaning to you or some story the best thing you can do with it is enjoy it with friends so as i was thinking about i i will bring a shot and a beer on and i was like you know i'm gonna bring kyle kyle sherry okay. I was like, yep, I'm just going to like, I can't think of a better thing to do with it than hang out, enjoy a glass of that with JB, talk about the bears. And uh, I'll be backing it up with an imposter, whereas the Kyle Sherry is completely real. Um, this used to be really good beer from Canada <laughs> and then it was acquired. Ah. And so now it says, and this is so funny because it says produced by Kokanee, St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm like, Kokanee is the name of a glacier in British Columbia, for those of you that don't know. <laughs> uh, brewed in the USA for the freshest taste, meaning we acquired it, and so we brew it here now. Um, used to be brewed in Canada. Um, is not anymore, but I drank a lot of it at that time. Uh, since, you know, the beer world acquisition is the thing. They are, you know, NAB yeah. brand now. And uh, it's not quite the same. It's basically Budweiser in a blue wrapper. Um, not a huge Budweiser fan. It's a little bit uh, sweeter for me, but it's mostly for nostalgia. It's not the real beer anymore, but there we go. So we went to a high-end liquor store. When we were there. We talked about that on the last show. Uh, we bought this Burrell uh, distillery, so something called the Seagrass, which was uh, 
really fun and interesting. And yeah. so I looked into them and they have a couple of finished products. Again, finished whiskey, if that's not your thing, understand. Um, to me, the finished whiskey is pretty interesting because, mm. you know, it's it's basically like a, a really strong cocktail, right? It's not made with syrups and flavorings. It's made with putting the juice into, uh, you know, a, a fun different barrel and trying to impart different flavors off of it. So I picked up actually one of each of their finished products. And so I wanted to crack this one. This is the Dovetail. Yep. Dovetail is the other one that the guy was talking about mm -hmm. um, being a pretty popular one. It is uh, finished in rum, port, and Cabernet barrels. So a little bit of a wine um, finish to it. Again, the rum will give it kind of a sugary uh, type, you know, a sweetness to it. And then that's going to balance out, I think, with more of like the 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 darker richer notes from the port and then i don't know what the cabernet is going to do but that's know, that's i wanted to i'm fascinated to hear your thoughts on that one because i was like reading through that and those are the order they're in I'm like rum barrels oh very nice rum barrels and i was like perfect love love a rum finish that's cool and then port and i happen to be a big port fan which is odd because port can go a couple of different ways um but it can be very uh, like wine. I don't want to say whiny because that sounds bad, but it, it can have a very wine sort of flavor and distinction to it. So that one's in the middle, but I, I tend to like ports, especially like ruby ports. I love. So I was like rum and port. Yes. And then we got to the cab and I was like, okay, so you got one on each end. You got rum and Cabernet, which you would never mix. Right. And then you have port, which is squarely in the middle. You know, and I'm like, okay, so which way does it lean? Because it's, you know, whiskey again finished in all three of those. I I really want to know which one wins the arm wrestling contest. Because if it's the rum and the port, I'm in. If it's the cab, I'm not. I'll let you know at the end, but okay. initial taste. It's pretty good. I'm I'm actually really impressed with 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 what the they've done here. Nice. Um, I also grabbed some of these um Little, I think they're little espresso ceramic cups, mm -hmm. but I'm using them for whiskey, which is, I think, a a proper use of them. Seems uh, lovely. They're four four different designs from um, Eighth Generation, which is a, uh, a Native American group that sells artwork and uh, you know di different work from uh, inspired Native artists, and really liked um, this little mug set. So a um, little bit of the Seattle uh, trip, bringing it it's, back to me. It's, um, it's I love gorgeous. my Pacific Northwest trips. I always have to bring something back uh, from those trips. So, all right, well, let's, let's get into this. So here's how I kind of want to structure this tonight. And I think you can, you can hammer in your points as we go through this. But what I want to do is I want to go through each game that's remaining on the schedule. And I, I'm going to kind of give some thoughts on the what these teams are and what bears fans can you know i think a lot of bears fans they watch the bears they watch their team mm -hmm. and i think in the next five games i would challenge you to also watch the other team from the perspective from a couple different perspectives the bears have it's really interesting and fascinating how this schedule sets up i hadn't really thought about this until i was talking to, to lester the other night on on bear and balance the bears have uh, a game against each of their divisional opponents remaining. Okay. You're going to play them twice a year. If you're going to be building a 
contention window here in the next couple of years with with Justin Fields, uh, you're going to play these. You got to you got to beat these teams. You got to you got to win your division. And then you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles and the Buffalo Bills. They may be playing for a Super Bowl title at the end of the year. I know the Bills are a little beat up. They're kind of in a, in a weird place, but it would not surprise anyone if those were the two teams standing from their respective conferences. So the Bears have an interesting schedule because they're playing two really competitive teams and they're playing the teams that they're going to play. And in addition to that, I think that both the Eagles and the Bills are very interesting comps for where the Bears could go over the next couple of years. So let's go through them one by one. I'm going to throw out some things. You pepper me back. We see if we can give something of use <laughs> to Bears fans here over the last month plus of the season. Before I get into each individual game, what do you want to say about the Bears? I think these, I ended up having a riff conversation with Brett on Monday. We we didn't start talking about the Bears, but as often happens, we ended up talking about the Bears. Um, and I was adamant that the remaining games, I know a lot of people are signing out. We, you know, we see this uh, with all teams, but especially with the Bears this time of year. Yeah. Hopes are in the dumpster and people go, ah, they, they check out, they watch if they can or whatever else. Not not everybody, not everybody watching this because you're all going to watch all the games. We know that. But we started talking about the Bears and the games that are remaining are incredibly valuable to me because people aren't watching. This is a super rare chance for Ryan Poles and Iberflus and his coaching staff to get real NFL game experience, which is not the same as anything else. There is no way to recreate it. Preseason is close, but it is not the same stuff. And to see if they can find a few diamonds, right? Because their roster is in a bad way. We all know that. There is a lot of room for improvement on this roster, pretty much almost every area. And we all know about the cap space next year. We all know about the full draft slate. Draft choice slate. That's great. But if you can get guys, and you can, I know it's after the trade deadline, but you can grab guys off practice squads. You know, Philadelphia just grabbed two guys off the street and put them on their defensive line. You can get players that can figure in next year and get them playing time this year when nobody cares and everybody's checked out and nobody expects you to win. That is a really rare commodity. And if you just sit on your hands and go, yeah, we've got 100 and whatever, 25 million coming next year in free agency, we'll just deal with it then. You're wasting a terribly important opportunity. So I really hope I'm a bit stunned that the Bears haven't like snagged a wide receiver off a practice squad and elevated him to the active roster on the Bears with Darnell Mooney's injury. Because why wouldn't you? There's only three receivers who are signed to this team next year. Total. Bellis Jones, because he's a rookie. Claypool, who they just traded for. And Mooney. That's it. Those that's the full receiver slate for next year. Everybody else drops off the roster. So why wouldn't you go grab uh, insert player X? I don't even care which player like grab three and hope one hits. And yes, I know they don't, don't, don't know the playbook. And yes, I know that their development won't be up to speed with everybody else. I don't care. Like grab those guys, grab low level running backs, offensive line. Eh, let's not mess with those guys. They like find the best mix of the guys you have. And yes, you'll be adding guys from outside, but you'll do that in the draft and free agency. So an edge so player would be great. Yeah. Edge are tough to find though. Like 
it's kind of like tackle, right? It's the opposite of edge, right? Those guys are big and skilled and there's not enough of them to go around. So you're typically not going to find guys lolling around on practice squads. You can, but it's tougher. But receivers, sure. Running backs, sure. Safeties, yeah. Like inside linebackers, somebody didn't run next to Sanborn. If you want to bring Morrow back, like who would be the third? Again, even if you get a backup, out of these next five or six weeks. I don't care if you bring six or eight guys in and one of them turns into a guy you keep on the 53 and one of them turns into a guy you want to develop on the practice squad. That's a win, right? But you're going to have tape on all these guys in real games that you can evaluate at the end of the season and go, yeah, I think he's at least worth keeping on the 90 man and seeing what we got. Or "Mm, I think there's a role for this guy. We really like him. And there are guys like that around the NFL, believe me, in a lot of those categories. And I want to see polls be aggressive here. So we'll see. That's that's my entry to all of this. Okay. So let's go through each of these games. <clears throat> Packers. Okay. Here's here's what I'm not very excited about is that the NFL schedule makers clearly wanted the Green Bay Packers franchise to play the Chicago Bears when they pass them for all time franchise wins and they set it all up so this would happen in week two and week one the bears didn't cooperate because they won their football game and the packers didn't cooperate because they lost their football game so they didn't get their prime time storyline that they all wanted somehow (laughs) it's going to happen this weekend more than likely right like i mean the bears can't really stop anybody they they you know eddie jackson's now hurt um they're out of it so we are going to get that storyline and I, I guess it just delayed by two months for us to to see that storyline. But if you can stomach it, if you can stomach this game and look at the Packers and really look at them, and I I feel like I feel pretty good because I I I I bet the under on the Packers this year. Like I was pretty hard on that. Like I had an alternate underline that I bet on the Packers. Like I felt pretty confident they were not as good as the books thought they were. Okay. And I thought that they were going to pay for trading away Devontae Adams and not really replacing that wide receiver pool with anybody. I think there's a lesson there. I think Rodgers dropping off, I think that the injury stuff is a little bit convenient that it's now coming up. Um, But I think the lesson there is that you need wide receivers in the modern NFL. You need playmakers. Mm -hmm. And when you have one, it's probably not a great idea to trade them away. What I think you can learn as about another valuable lesson from the Packers is that they draft and develop offensive linemen. They're quite good at that. So even though everybody wants to talk about David Bakhtiari, everybody wants to talk about how David Bakhtiari likes to hold. I like to talk about it because he never gets called for it or not ever, but doesn't get called for it as much as he does it. Cause he has, they just accepted this weird technique, but you tell you what Dave Bakhtiari doesn't play a lot of football anymore because he's constantly hurt. And the Packers really haven't missed that much of a beat because they have invested a lot in their offensive line and they do a good job of scouting their offensive linemen and they're good football players. And so if that's going to be a constant theme, when you look around the league, it's not sexy. When you look around the league and you see good football teams, one of the biggest things they have in common is they've got good offensive line. And so that's, I think the lesson that you can take from the Packers team building perspective is that they do a good job of that. And that has been kind of the thing that no one talks about is the success behind 
the the stability and success behind the Packers in the last few years um, is their ability to draft and develop offensive linemen. Yes, I think all teams need to have something like that. And, you know, they would all be so lucky as to be the Packers and have that thing be offensive line, which we both believe is a foundation of a good football team. Some other teams, it's wide receiver. Like everybody talks about the Steelers and the ability to draft and develop wide receivers. They also need to talk about somebody else in that division, the Bengals, right? The Bengals, if you look at the wide receiver core and and the success even they had last week with guys that either weren't on their roster or they picked up and, and played critical roles down the stretch, like they're all good. Every team needs to be able to hang its hat on drafting and developing as many position types as it can, but it's not going to be all of them. Teams just are not good at drafting all types. If the bears want to get good at something, please get good at offensive and defensive line drafting and developing. Like you need to be able to pick out some coal. If we're looking at the, the chat, pick out some coal and turn them into diamonds. And there's guys that I take great pride in that I spotted a long time ago. Shaq Barrett was one of them. When he was coming out, I was like, why why is this guy not getting drafted? Come on. Um, Marquise Haynes, who's making noise for the Packers this year. Dorrance Armstrong, who was a guy who was fourth, fifth round edge rusher. I was like, there's something there. He's not a finished player, but you grab that guy. He's an athlete. He's got some flashes on tape. Go get him. Um, you know, the Packers did that with uh, Kingsley and Igbari. Like there, there are guys out there, but if you're going to get good at exactly what you're talking about, Please make it the course. Please make it the offensive and defensive lines. That would be incredibly helpful from a team building perspective. If you can grab either offensive or defensive linemen from the fourth round on down and turn them into viable starters on either side of the ball, yes, please do that. Um, it will go a long ways because you have to spend your higher picks on positions of greater need, edge rushers, wide receivers, like you said. Uh, one-on-one cornerbacks guys like sauce Gardner, or in our case jalen johnson was a high round pick like you need shut down guys that you're not going to typically find those guys in the fourth or the fifth but you can find guards that work in the fourth or fifth you can find defensive tackles that work in the fourth or fifth please do that like that's the proper way to build a football team inside out and use draft value the right way Right. Find that excess value. Uh, and then the other thing that I want to say about the Packers as a uh, word of warning is that one of the things that we heard a lot was like Packers defense was really good in 2021 and they will continue oh, to be man. good in 2022. And you just cannot rely on year to year consistency in, in defenses. It can happen. It is not un- in- impossible. Just because a team is really good on defense does not mean they will then be bad at defense or average. That's not how that works. It is just difficult to replicate that. So if you're counting on that, which the, if you really listen to how people were previewing the Packers, that was a big component of why people thought they were going to be good this year. Um, that's not something to rely on. And I think as Bears fans, we love defense. Just remember that if we're, you know, talking about that and we're in that position, we're saying, well, we're counting on this defense to repeat those performances of last year. That's not a good way to build a consistent winner in this league. Yeah. And I said it like I fully believe because the Packers, uh, A, they should be better on defense this year. They are loaded. 
That's the other thing is like they have a lot of dudes on defense. They've spent a lot of money on it um, and a lot of draft picks and they should be playing better than they are. They have real playmakers at every level of that defense and it has not happened. So they are under underperforming, underwhelming at defense. Uh, but you're right. You cannot predict year to year for any team just a continuation well they were good last year so they'll be good next year is not a good argument in the nfl because if you look at roster turnover i mean the the thing i just brought up about the bears there are literally three wide receivers on next year's team from this year's team three total it's there the carryover is not really a thing yes it's the same colors in the jersey but especially with a team like the bears with so much free agency cap space whatever there's going to be massive changes on this roster it is not going to be the same team you're going to recognize some guys justin fields will still be the quarterback but it is not the same do you think that this down that this is a blip for the packers or do you think that they are now fully in this downward trend and it's mm. going to take a while for them to get back out do you worry about the packers in 2023 2024 uh two things one is aaron Rodgers. obviously is he going to play again for the packers is he going to play elsewhere there's been some talk about hey maybe they should get something if they really think jordan love can play um that's come up this week could he go to the raiders and reunite with Devonte if they move on from Carr? there's been a lot of that this week obviously that goes a long ways as to the Packers fortunes. Aaron Rodgers, still good football player. Is he MVP caliber as he was, you know, basically a sort of back to back. No, he's not that good. Can he win a lot of football games with a good supporting cast, which he doesn't necessarily have right now? Uh, he could. So that's kind of the first thing to figure out. Is Aaron Rodgers around in 2023 or 2024, or is this the Jordan love show? And they sort of move on and take the picks presumably from Rodgers and and sort of do a Seahawks rebuild. Um, the second thing is really that defense. Like, what are you going to do with all those high-priced guys that are not playing great? Is it a coaching thing? It kind of feels like a coaching thing at this point. Um, but how do you fix that? You don't, you can't just run it back with all the high-priced talent and the same coaching and these terrible results. Like, he, something's got to give, and I'm not sure what that is. So, those are the things that I'm going to watch most closely about the Packers that will determine their fortunes. Is Rodgers around or is this the Jordan Love show? And how's that going to go? And then what are you going to do with defense? Because they're they're trending. They're not there, but they're trending the way the Bears were prior to polls taking over. They have a lot of money invested on defense. They have a lot of big contracts. They're not going to keep all those guys. And right now they're underperforming. Defense is a, you said it can't be counted on, and two, it's not going to win you a lot of football games in the modern NFL. You need a functioning offense. The whole like, oh, we'll just shut people out theory, except for the 49ers, which <laughs> the 49ers are ridiculous. I don't know if you caught it, but Brad Spielberger, our buddy, tweeted out something. Um, it's going to be on bootleg this week. That was the 49ers have not allowed a second half point since week seven. <laughs> All right. And you're like, okay, D'Amico Ryans, you want to be president? Because you can fix stuff. But I, other than the Niners, you're not going to win a lot of stuff with defense. I do, I do have uh, the Niners' fantasy defense, so I guess that's, oh. I guess that's good. 
Uh, okay. I, I think that these are two ships passing in the night. Um, I think I would love to have seen it a little bit clearer, uh, in terms of the, the bears being able to beat them. Again, this game isn't over yet. They're, they're four and a half point underdogs. The bears are, but, um, I, I think that next year the bears are going to be a better football team. And, and I think that they're, that is going to just kind of separate themselves. Bears are going to be much better, um, you know, before the Packers get relevant again. I really, regardless of what happens with Rodgers, I, mm-hmm. I think that this, I think they've kind of, they took the shot, they missed, and they, they've, they're now crashing and burning and they're going to have to figure out what pieces of the wreckage they can salvage and, and, and for what does Rodgers just walk away and, you know, throw the match behind him and, and take the giant cap hit uh, for retiring? Or does he come back and, and, play another year and then have even more of a cap hit because he didn't retire this year. Like, I mean, it, honestly, that contract's dumb and it, it's going to hurt him at some point. Just how much is it going to hurt him and win? So I, I think that, I think this is this time next year, we're going to be looking back at this bears are going to be a better team than the Packers and they will have just kind of gone in opposite directions. That's what happens in this league. Uh, it's long overdue for the Packers and I'm excited for it. I'm here for it. Um, Let's move on to the Eagles. Bears play the Eagles after the bye week. By the way, let's add the second bye week in. Like we need the second bye week, you know, for these yeah. players to wait this long for a yeah. bye week is just ridiculous. You can't say you care about players. You care about player safety no. and have the first bye week for a team come in week 14. Unbelievable. But week 15, we'll play the Eagles. I think the Eagles are a very interesting comparison to the Bears because I think the Eagles are in many ways what the Bears would love to become. Mm. This is a very active uh, general manager. He is take he takes he's opportunistic to a crazy degree. I think Poles has a little bit of that. Like he traded with Howie Roseman. Uh, he you know he 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 traded Robert Quinn. So there's a little bit of a little bit of that. Uh, maybe maybe he's going to learn. From from Howie <laughs> Roseman on the on the job, right? Um, and I think that he's it, polls being he. I, I think that he has shown a willingness to move around in the draft, and and hopefully he's going to be opportunistic. And I think he he continued to chase the mistake of not grabbing Amari Cooper when he had the opportunity, and mm-hmm. and I think that he may have learned from that. Maybe he'll he'll add that into his repertoire. But if we look at what makes the Eagles successful and how they've been able to win a lot of football games with Jalen Hurts, who was a guy that they they took, but they weren't necessarily convinced was going to be their guy, but they have now built this around them, is that they have leaned into what he's what he does well and and then helped him grow and build around him with elite weapons. And so we've seen a little bit of that this year with Luke Getze changing the approach mid after that mini buy and leaning into what Justin Fields did well and creating an offense around that skill set. And that allowed it opened other things up. And so I think that if you take that little microcosm of success that they had there, that little example of success and look at what the Eagles are doing on the bigger scale, because they're running the football really well. They're running the football with Hurts. They're running the football with Miles Sanders in that last game against the Packers. I mean, they both had over 140 yards. They've got an excellent offensive line, right? So, like, what are the what are the Eagles doing that are is continuing to be successful? Every game, every game, the Eagles are doing something that works. Like they haven't been figured out, right? They they had one loss, uh, and every you know, even that they still had a chance in that game, right? And so, what is it that they're doing that 
you can learn from. And, and to me, it's, again, invest in that offensive line, uh, be a little bit of a broken record. I think for the Eagles, they have such – their offensive line is great. But <laughs> Jason Kelsey yeah. – Jason Kelsey should show you what uh, – let me, let me start over. <laughs> I have been talking about getting a MFing center for yep. this team – for how many years, EJ? How how long have we been doing this uh, podcast? Now? I I am giggling like outwardly. I'm outright laughing uh, because we've been doing this long enough. And one of the reasons we got into this business in the first place is we have a little bit of brain lock about the Bears, and we end up seeing things in a very similar way. So as you started that rant about the Eagles, and you're like, "What could we learn?" Uh, from the Eagles. And I'm like, well, the Eagles offensive line is ridiculously good. And it's led by Jason Kelsey. And I'm pulling up my 2023 available internal offensive line going, you know, if the bears draft John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota, like choo choo, like we're going for it. They need a center. Most of her can't be back on this team. I'm not sure that Luke's Patrick is the answer after what we saw from him. I know he was hurt, but ooh, like yikes. Like John Michael Schmitz is one of those guys that when he, he was thinking about coming out last year and then he's like, nah, I'm going to go back. I'm going to spend another year at Minnesota. I was like, damn it. And it's not damn it for that guy's prospects or his choices. I will never take that away from prospect. It is a highly personal choice and I'm not in it. The damn it was, I don't get to see you play pro ball for another year. It was completely self-centered because he's a really good, speaking of self-centered, center. And the Bears need a good pure center, and they can start building out that offensive line around somebody like Kelsey that can be an anchor for a long time. Yes, you've been talking about it for a long time. Yes, it will go a long way to a young quarterback like Justin Fields to give him a center to get used to. I mean, the guy that's coaching the Colts now, right? Jeff Saturday was Peyton Manning center for a long time. And there was a reason because the two of them saw things the same way and they had a synergy and that allowed a lot of that offensive success to happen or blossom or whatever. So I'm a hundred percent with you. So when you're, again, the whole point of this is what can you, what can you learn from these last games? Watch the Eagles offense. If you haven't watched this team play, (laughs) Uh, they're they're actually really fascinating and they do some things that I think you can easily envision the Bears doing. So if you don't watch a lot of football outside of the Bears, this is a really good opportunity to watch the Eagles, watch their offense, watch how they operate, and particularly watch that center. I, I think that Kelsey has put himself into a place now where particularly if the Eagles go on a deep run here, they make another Super Bowl, maybe they even steal this one, right? Like they, they get there, you know, and who knows what happens. Jace Kelsey might be a Hall of Famer. Like, I mean, th- this guy is a really good football player. And watch how he moves. Like, he, he will pull. And there is not a lot of centers that pull in this league. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't even know a percentage off the top of my head. But he don't, not only does he pull, he does it incredibly well, which is very difficult from the center position. And so to, to see the center as a weapon hmm. in, in the running game, um, it would be a huge boost to uh, Chicago's offensive attack. And, and I think, it would, like you said, to pair with with Justin Fields. And so when we're talking about offseason, when we're talking about uh, uh, free agency in the draft, and we keep talking, we're going to keep bringing up center in, in this in this uh, podcast channel. And it's for that reason. It's This is, this is the model that we're talking about. If you want to go watch Kansas City, 
Creed Humphrey. We talked a lot about Creed Humphrey when he was coming out. Yes, we did. And and that was for, for a good reason. And so that, that I think is something to, to uh, lean into there. And then, I, I mean, the Eagles, I think they're a little bit like the finished bourbon that I'm drinking right now, right? Where they have a little bit of a different flavor and they are high octane because they're bringing in those veterans at the end that they think can get them over the top because they know that they're close. They know they got a window. So they, like you said, they're signing these guys. They've got experience. You know, they brought in Sue that, you know, they're bringing in these guys that are going to bring their leadership and going to help them file that away, file that away for when the bears are in a position like that, hopefully in a couple of years where they need to make a couple of moves with veterans that are kind of lurking around looking for a ring and it your general manager can't just sit back on his heels he has to continue to work all year round these are good lessons that howie roseman is showing right hopefully that ryan poles is watching and i'm sure he is um for how you continue to finish a really good product uh to try to get them over the line yeah if the eagles make the final four this year in the nfl howie roseman needs to be the executive of the year like john schneider has a a really good leg to stand on with the draft he had and you know the picks he got for Russ and moving on at the right time and all that but like Howie Roseman is far and away like never stops always bringing guys in I mean you look at Bradbury and you look at AJ Brown and you look at bringing in you know Sue and like he never lets up like he's a hundred miles an hour all the time and the Eagles are reaping the benefits of having that loaded roster across the offensive line. They've, again, been able to build around Hertz, who I think is underrated, but is not a guy that is going to carry your team by himself. He does need the pieces around him. It's not to say he's not a good quarterback. He is. But if you build a structure around him, he's going to look all that much better. And how he's done that and more. So he's he's got my vote for GM of the year. Um, really, unless the Eagles, well, the Eagles already make the playoffs. He's, he's got my book. <laughs> One of these years we'll get, we'll get a real vote too. Yeah, All right. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, on the other side of this, we'll finish up with the last three games. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, EJ, let's talk about when the Bears play the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo's a little beat up right now, right? Josh Allen's got that arm thing, short arming some balls, like, I mean, literally, like kind of skipping them off the turf. Uh, would have been, you know, a, a more comfortable win, I think, if he was at mm-hmm. full strength. I'm thinking that, you know, that may have been a reflection of a short week. Mm. And in a, in a full week here, we'll maybe learn a little bit more about how that arm's doing against uh, New England tomorrow night. Uh, and so hopefully for Bill's fans sake, for Bill's mafia, yeah, he's going to look a little better. But this this team came in as like the overwhelming favorite in a conference that still has Kansas City in it. Right. They came mm-hmm. in as the overwhelming favorite to 
run this thing out and, and, and win the Super Bowl. And that's because you've seen Josh Allen take incredible strides as a quarterback, but the infrastructure around him has continued to be built up. They went out and they got him um, a, an incredible wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. Uh, that and then they were able to draft and develop some other weapons around him. Um, I don't think their running game is quite as strong. It's definitely not as strong as as uh, the Eagles, right? So if you're going to put it on a spectrum of where you think the Bears could be, uh, you would probably say offensively that right now they identify a little bit closer with in, in, in the direction of maybe the Eagles. But when you look at what Justin Fields' ceiling could be, I think you could maybe feel pretty comfortable in, in putting him to make those strides towards that Josh Allen um, uh, throwing uh, direction as well. So uh, I think that there's there's a lot to learn from what Josh Allen can do, but Josh Allen plays hero ball all the time. And so I actually think there's a little bit of, it's a little bit of caution to watch the Bills because I think the Bills play a version of, of hero ball that may not be sustainable. And if you look at, say, the Eagles, and it didn't make the point in the Eagles game, but they, Howard Rosen went out and got really good wide receivers for, for his quarterback too, right? He went out and traded for A.J. Brown. He got Devonta Smith. He already had Dallas Goddard uh, as, a, as a tight end. So, so those weapons were there, and that passing game is good enough to balance out that really strong running game. Whereas in Buffalo, the strides that Josh Allen made has made that passing game incredibly explosive. And then he's a good runner, whereas he doesn't really have the, the running game to support him. And so I think it, it does lend itself to a little hero ball, which may not be sustainable, which we've seen a little bit with Chicago, right? Because the only spark that Chicago has really had is Justin Fields playing some hero ball and maybe, I don't know, Khalil Herbert, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> some good David Montgomery runs, right? Yeah. It's it's not coming from anywhere else because the talent's not there. And so I, I think that that's maybe something to watch when the Bears play the Bills is to watch how that offense is built around Josh Allen. And if you think that that's the, the best version of what Justin Fields can do, or if maybe there's a little bit more balance to be had. Well, two things about the Bills. Uh, Josh can tend to play hero ball. And it is not the best Bills football. Like the best Bills football is what we saw week one in SoFi when they just destroyed the Rams. They just devastated Los Angeles. Like it was in Los Angeles and I was at that game. Brad and I turned to each other and we went, oh my God. Like if, if he does this, if he plays patiently within the offense, He's completely unstoppable because he can do all the things you're talking about at a moment's notice. And when he pulls the trigger at the right time, not just all the time, they're literally when he's healthy, there is no way to stop him. He is he's a super weapon that way in the middle of the season, even before he got hurt, when the bills faltered was when he forgot all that and started throwing bad red zone picks by trying to force it. And again, playing hero ball, trying to take it all onto himself and not playing within the structure and relying on the playmakers around him that Brandon Bean has done a great job assembling. Then he got hurt and there was this big crisis of conscience throughout the entire city region. If you're familiar with Bill's football, it's, it's all of Western New York. 
everybody was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And to the Bills' credit, they have found a way to win. Luckily, the elbow injury didn't turn out to be as devastating. It is not a healthy elbow, but it is workable. And that almost makes Josh play within his limits more. And while, yes, a healthy Josh Allen playing like he did at SoFi would have absolutely destroyed Detroit because their defense is last in the league in points allowed, they it was a close win. But it was a win like Buffalo in the last two games has refound after this big crisis with the elbow a way to win, which is to their credit. And they might be better uh, because of it as a team. They're not as explosive as they would be with a healthy Josh. That's not what I'm saying. But Josh had started to play himself out of games, even with a healthy elbow. So there's this interesting balance with Buffalo. And when you think about the correlation to the Bears, which is why we're here in fields, he can't play like he's been playing. Fields cannot continue to play like that. It's too physically demanding. The refs are not protecting him. They're doing a better job of that, but he's still getting hits. Too many hits, too many runs up the middles, too many big shots. Um, he won't last. Like It's just too much punishment for a body to absorb. So he needs to look at that early stretch, first four to six games from Buffalo this year and say, I need to play like that, right? I need to take what the defense gives me, be patient, play within the offense. And then on one out of every 20 plays where it just breaks down horribly, I'm going to run 50 yards for a touchdown because I'm Justin Fields and I can do it. And if he plays like that, if he plays like Josh did at the beginning of this year, he'll be even more devastating than he is because it's a complete chaos weapon. Plus Justin can, if they sort if we do the hybrid of the bills and the Eagles here, if they surround him with wide receiver talent, like how he did Jalen hurts on the Eagles and he can sit back, not take all those runs, not take all those punishments. And then he's got an AJ Brown level receiver or a Stefan Diggs level receiver on the outside. And he can whip it 60 yards, which he can do outside the numbers and score a touchdown like that. There's no answer at that point. Like that is, that's the ultimate. Yeah. I think as Fields' game grows, you know, the most defenses aren't going to be able to control the whole thing, right? Like the more things that he can do, like it's like yeah. more, it, you got to, you know, you got to pick your poison. Right. Right. And so, you know, again, like we, we talk, Hey, you add this in now, this forces a spy or this, this forces these, you know, these linebackers to stay here. Um, they're going to step up. You pop it over the top, right? Like everything you do and add in a lot opens up something else, makes it easier. So you start mastering different things. But I think that, staying stagnant or, or relying on one thing. And I, and I call it playing hero ball. You can't play that card every day, every down, right? You have to know when to be able to pull that out. And so I, I think the bills are very interesting. And like you said, it actually has forced them to be a little bit more uh, balanced because of that injury. And so he can't play the hero ball all the time. Nope. Maybe they'll get back to that by the playoffs. I mean, you, you need an explosive offense. I, it, it's very hard to consistently put long touchdown drives together, right? Like that, that's what defenses are trying to make you do. Um, they're trying to make you slowly matriculate down the field. Um, and there's that balance of the, these offenses want to have explosive plays. And so, you know, what's the future of football? Is it kind of going back to being able to grind out these really long drives and put multiple ones of those together? And you're seeing some of the teams that can do that pretty well be in the mix, um, or is it, you know, going to go 
stabilize a little bit and be that explosive play football. So I think that that's what you can learn from the bills is the potential of a Justin Fields offense as you build it up around him is what Josh Allen is doing in Buffalo. Um, and so I think that, that is the most interesting thing. You're also going to see probably a pretty well recovered Josh Allen by this point. I mean, he'll have the mini buy after tomorrow's game uh, and a couple weeks after that. So he, whole, I mean, as good as that elbow is going to be, it'll probably be by the time the bears see him. Uh, the bears defense probably isn't going to get any better. So strap in for some points, guys. Uh, yeah. That's, that's going to be, that's going to be a, a rough one, but Let's move on to the second to last game, the Detroit Lions. I want to have this conversation with you about the Lions because yeah. I think that the Lions, this in, in some ways, this is a disappointing season for the Lions because mm-hmm. they they had some high hopes. They're on hard knocks. They had kind of the feel good of the, the, the country. You know, I mean, you got the hard knocks bump and all that kind of stuff. And then they kind of came out pretty flat and lost a lot of football games early, right? They had, had a long losing streak. Um, a lot of their fans got kind of turned off by it. They're kind of hanging out in the cellar and then they go on a little bit of a run. Now, you know, the bears should have put them away, but they didn't. Right. And they won some football games and then they kind of hang around on Thanksgiving. They made things interesting against Buffalo. And, you know, here they are, like they're starting to feel kind of good again. Their rookies have played well. They had a good draft class, right? Their offensive line is pretty darn good. I like their offensive line. Right. And so you start to say, okay, like, what is this team? They like their coach. They play hard. Golf clearly ain't it. And that's fine. But sometimes you would say, well, these wins that they're having right now, that's just taking them out of position, draft position. So, haha, you know, jokes on them. Oh, but the Rams, <laughs> the Rams who took their shot and, and hit their shot last year also paid for next year's first round pick to go to Detroit so that they could get Matthew Stafford. So the lions are sitting currently on a top five pick mm-hmm. uh, that, that was, you know, is the Rams that they, they own and they could be sitting in a great position to draft Jared Goff's successor. And so this team may be trajecting up. They may, have they, they seem to have a pretty solid draft class they seem to have a pretty solid infrastructure in the offensive line and they may be in a possession in a position to draft the next quarterback so i think the lions are actually moving in the in the right direction and they may be competing for, uh, with the bears here in the next couple of years i'm i'm gonna change your mind about the lions right now bring it the Lions are the favorites to win this division next year mm-hmm. with one caveat, and it ain't Jared Goff. They got to fix the defense. Well, so, the defense is terrible. Well, here's two sides of the coin. The Lions are really two teams right now. So if I asked you where you think the Lions rank in the NFL in terms of scoring touchdowns. I'm not talking about the kicking game, just scoring touchdowns. Where do you where do you think? What number or even give me a range? Honestly, I would put them top 10. I would say that they're like 8th. Interesting that you say 8th because in overall scoring, including kicking, they are indeed 8th. Good okay. call. In terms of scoring touchdowns, 
Okay. They're good. third. Yeah. They're the third best team in the NFL at scoring touchdowns, and they show incredible balance. They've got like 16 rushing touchdowns and 17 passing touchdowns, which in the modern NFL is ridiculous. Nobody has that balance. So Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, needs some serious flowers for the work he's done. And for everybody saying Jared Goff isn't the answer, which I was saying for a long time, I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) He has that offense as it stands right now has scored the third most touchdowns in the entire league. That that is as good as it gets. That is don't break it up territory. The problem with the Lions is their defense is the worst by a bunch. It's 32nd in points allowed. And they are almost a full two points worse than the Cardinals, who are next at like 26.8. They've allowed 28.2 points per game, the Lions. So middle of the pack in terms of points allowed in the modern NFL for a defense is about 22-ish points. That puts you at about 15, 16, somewhere in there. If the Lions can get to average with their defense and allow 22 points a game, they're leading this division this year. They've scored more points than the Vikings. And everybody's like, oh, Kirk and Justin Jefferson and Davin Cook. Like, they're amazing. The Lions have scored more points than the Vikings. Problem is they've also allowed like 75 more points on the season than the Vikings. So if the Lions could allow 22 and a half a game and score 28 something a game, which is where they are, their record would be a lot closer to the Vikings 9 and 2 or 8 and 2 or whatever they are. That's the thing is they like they need to fix the defense. The offense is fine if you can keep Ben Johnson. And I do think he's going to get a couple of those sort of outlier coach interviews. I don't think he'll leave. I hope for their sake, uh, not necessarily the Bears sake, but the Lions sake that he doesn't because that group right now is clicking. And the other thing is go draft a rookie quarterback. Really? Do you want to knock the wheels off an offense that's scoring the third most touchdowns in the NFL? No, you just run that thing back. The offense is great. Offensive line is great. They've surrounded golf again with playmakers. Could they use a couple more? Sure. You know, go grab a tight end from what is a very good tight end draft, but get some defensive playmakers, get your coaching in order, get that points per game down. And suddenly everybody, the Lions are going to be everybody's darling. They're going to quote unquote, learn how to win when they just allow a few less points. Okay. I don't know that you convince me. We will have to have this conversation <laughs> more uh, <laughs> as we move along, um, I, I, I love, the, I really love their offensive line. I think they've done a nice mm-hmm. job. There's a lot of, there's a few players I really like on that offense. And they're line. young too. That's they're the young. great thing. We talked right. about that last year. At least I did. I don't remember if we did, but they have constructed a fortress in front of whoever is the quarterback and they're all young and they're all talented. And that again, we opened the podcast by saying that's a great way to build a football team. Right. So I think that's a lesson to be learned from, from that perspective. Um, I think, I think, I think I'm going to stick with that. They're more likely than not to use that first pick on a quarterback, but maybe they won't, maybe they'll use it on a a defensive lineman. So it it could be interesting to see where they go from there. Um, let's, let's finish out here with the Vikings, the Vikings. Here's the thing. I don't mind Vikings fans that much because like, (laughs) you know, whatever, like I I have friends that uh, Uh... cheer for all different types of teams. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have, I picked the Vikings to win the division at the beginning of the year. I thought it was actually kind of obvious, but like, 
you know, it got some good odds on it, right? You know, put, put a little money down. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm fe- you know, feeling myself a little bit about picking that. I'm getting a little irritated already with some of these Vikings fans and how they're strutting <laughs> around. And, you know, man, I mean, um, I know like the act like you've been there before and all that kind of stuff. Part of me says like, let them enjoy it, right? Like, hey, you know, we're all feeling the same thing. Uh, you know, fans of the other three uh, NFC North teams, you know, we're, we're feeling just joy that it's not green and yellow up at the top. But I, I, I don't know, man, like this, this needs to be short lived because I don't think I can take multiple years of Vikings fans crowing because it's, it's already annoying me. Um, you want to cut their knees out? I just, I no, don't do you, believe in them long term. Do, do you want to cut their knees out? Hit me. So everybody's down on Chicago because Chicago's had a rough year, right? And look, the Vikings brought in an offensively focused head coach. It is obviously worked. Look at their record. Look at all that talent. Look at all that talent you got in Minnesota. Your offense, super high octane. Kevin O'Connell, former Rams assistant, all the shine in the world. You're amazing. How many points have you scored this year? 262 points that is amazing how many points have the bears scored <laughs> i i don't know you're you're very under the points scored tonight though 251 yeah yeah 251 with what chicago has assembled on the field which everybody like the entire nfl media lauded as complete trash before the season They've scored 251, and this amazing high-powered Vikings offense has scored 262. It's 11 points through 12 games. It's one point more a game. Well, the Bears have played the extra game. I'm just saying. (laughs) All right, so what can you learn from the Vikings, right? So the Vikings had an opportunity, you know, I believe that they wanted Ryan Poles, right? Like, and, and Poles, I think the, the story I think we heard was that Poles sort of came in with the same philosophy, like, Hey, we need to kind of tear it down a little bit. And, uh, Kwesi Adolfo said, no, we can compete now, which I think was the right call for them. I think they did have a window, the weaker NFC. You could see if you could take your shot, which they did good for them. It was the right move. And, and in the short term, I think it's good. I think Kirk Cousins has played as good a football as he has played in his NFL career right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. And he's got all world wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. To me, he's the best wide receiver in the fo- in the football right now. That's my opinion. Um, it's been my opinion I, since the start of the I year. Share but it. that's yep. okay. All right. Um, but you have to have him in your conversation, right? And so and and they've really built around there. Picking up TJ Hawkinson is a great move for them. A great move for them. It gives them a secondary weapon that's legitimate. Adam Thielen is a nice player. Like, don't get me wrong, but I don't worry about Adam Thielen in 2023 or 2024, right? I do think that Hawkinson gives them something for the future. Their own line is pretty good. It's not great. It's pretty good, right? Um, They've got some nice pieces. Defense isn't very good. Like, they're not going to – I don't think that they can really compete deep into the NFC playoffs this year. And I don't think that this is a team that I worry about in the long term, I think that this has a short shelf life. Again, I think it was fine to go for it because why not? It's a weaker conference, certainly a weak division. I think that uh, Quesi Adolfo Mensa saw that and, and made the right call. But I don't think that this team is built 
in a, in a sustainable way that makes me fear them in 23, 24, 25. Yeah, it's, they have some pieces and Questy was correct that the window, all windows in the NFL are short. Everybody talks, anybody that talks to you about a five-year plan anymore has no idea what they're talking about. People that talk about a three-year plan don't know what they're talking about. NFL fans and fan bases get incredibly restless two years in at most. In fact, if in the middle of next year, the bears are four and something, there will be calls for Paul's job. He's been on the job two years at that point. Not even, not even a full two years. Like you don't get that kind of time anymore. So Questy was right to say, hey, we've got a quarterback in place. We think we can win with. Strangely enough, Kevin O'Connell <laughs> worked with Jared Goff in LA. He knew the model. He was like, I can take what I learned from Jared Goff and his limitations and apply it to Kirk Cousins, who is similarly talented, slightly talented in more areas, has a lot of the same liabilities and push it. Let's go right now. Let's mash the accelerator and see if we can win it with everybody that we have here. It was the right call. Uh, you know, they're going to win the division, most likely, barring some crazy wheels falling we off. Win it this weekend, DJ. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, barring some crazy turn of events, Vikings will win the division. I think that's correct, given the teams that we've seen uh, in the division. And, you know, are they going to go far in the playoffs? The answer is no. I talked about it last week on the podcast these are paper tigers these are folks that look real good against teams that aren't real good and when they get to folks that are real good they get smoked and that's what's going to happen to the vikings now now can they change that fortune going forward with free agency in the draft maybe is their window any longer than next year before they really have to tear this thing down to the studs it's really not. I'm not worried about them. I'm really no. not. Uh, I mean, next right. year could be a thing. They could patch yeah, it together. Yeah, maybe. I think and it'd make be, a it shot. Be a competitive division next year, right? Yeah. Because you're going to have the Lions, I think, moving up. I think you're going to have the Bears improving. They're going to be fun. They're going to, at very minimum, they're going to be, uh, you know, kind of feisty, right? And then you're going to have the Vikings kind of coming back, right? So you'll have a competitive division. Um, this year, honestly, it fell out kind of exactly how I thought it would. I thought the Lions would have a couple more wins. Um, I thought they'd be kind of in the mix. Maybe they'll get there by the end of the year with the with the last part of the season. But uh, for the most part, the division's kind of fallen out like I thought it would. So I don't know if that helps, guys. Like, I don't know <laughs> if that helps you get through the last five games. Because I'll be honest with you. It's not going to be fun watching your favorite football team over the next five football games because – I, I don't know if you've thought of it in this way, EJ, but A.D. Jackson is the best defender on the Bears roster. I mean, he's not going to play. You're giving me a face, but who 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 has played better football than E.J. than A.D. Jackson? This, uh, this well, year? I would say Jalen. Jalen's not a loud guy, and he's not played as well as he had in previous years this year. But he's played well, and Eddie. Yeah, he's played. Man, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would put them even. I wouldn't put one ahead of the other. But to say that Eddie is like clearly the best defender, I'm like, eh, that's a it's a low bar. <laughs> we know that yeah. there's not a lot of great defenders on the Bears. And, um, you know, I, you know, yes, my problem with Eddie is the same problems we had with Eddie after we sort of fell out of love, which we were 
you know, huge Eddie stands. And for the first two or three years, Eddie defenders. And then look, Eddie fell off really hard. He has rebounded. Has he rebounded to his previous heights? The answer for me is no. Um, and we're on the hook. Uh, well, we, not we, luckily, because you and I don't have that kind of money. But the Bears are on the hook next year for a significant chunk of change. They're not moving on from Eddie Jackson next year. They have committed to him, and his his money is is solid. So he'll be there again next year. He's played well, and I like how he's adapted to the new defense. That's always a challenge. Um, like, clearly the best. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, you're, you're in here the little bit. If it's I, 100%. Me. To me, he's been the best defender on the team. Um, he's he's gone for the year, and so yes. at a, at a minimum, one of your two best defenders will not yes. be on the field, and that is bad. Uh, and that is bad. And and now you've gone from two defend two guys in the secondary that you that you feel good about. Now you're down to one. It's very easy to avoid one corner when you're an opposing offense. Um, you know, you're you're. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't take long for you to get to Jack Sanborn. When you list your top defenders uh, from yeah. one to eleven on the field, Jack Sanborn is an undrafted free agent. I mean, this is kind of insane. It's great for him to have this level of success, but that really speaks to where this Bears talent level is. Yeah. And then Darnell Mooney's out for the year. Yeah, so that sucks. Even like if Darnell it. Mooney has not had the great, you know, year that he he was certainly hoping for, and we all were certainly hoping for, he is the the guy that's most established in that in that passing tree. And so now you're down to Clay, uh, Chase Claypool is still trying to figure things out. Uh, you know, you're down to Cole Komet. You're down to Byron Pringle coming back from injury who hasn't mm-hmm. developed a rapport with with any quarterback yet, right? So you're, you know, the passing offense is going to be rough because at least you had some stability with Darnell Mooney. You take those two guys out. Those are two of your best five, six players. Yes. They're gone for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, the talent level was already pretty low to begin with. So it's going to be a difficult, <laughs> it's going to be a difficult thing to watch. And I know there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to be starting to cheer for the losses for draft position, all that stuff. I, I'm not in that when, when you're watching games, I'm always going to cheer for them to win football games. Um, there is some, some level of consolation if, if you're into that sort of thing, because, you know, higher pick means, a little more capital as you move because you're likely to be able to trade out of that and maybe stock up with more players and fill some of these holes. So there's at least some consolation. If you can go down that road, I don't advocate cheering against your favorite football team, but at least there's some consolation um, in, in some of those, some of these losses that will come, they're not going to go five and zero here. Right. So, <laughs> um, you know, very well could, could uh, not win another game the rest of the year, but we will, we will try to do some things here in the, in the last part of the year. Uh, Braxton Jones, uh, still playing football, still a young guy. We need to go back and revisit him and see how he's improved. Uh, you know, Tevin Jenkins back on the field. Like, let's see you know, how he looks settling in towards the end of his first year playing guard. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Elijah Hicks may get a little bit of opportunity. Oh uh, God, no, out. please, please. No. <laughs> I, oh, if Eddie Jackson's out, maybe we see Elijah Hicks. Maybe no, maybe. we saw him last week and he was, he was a guy that I don't want to call it negatively, but he played awful football. Like he was really bad. Sure. I, as you'd kind of expect him to, Kinda. but, but, you know, if he gets some play, he gets a couple games under his belt. Maybe there's something maybe. for us to, to look at here on the film. You know, we'll go back maybe and look at Jack Sanborn again and kind of look at his his rise and, and yeah. all that. Like there are still some things for us to do. I, I, I got to be honest with you. Part of why we did this is there wasn't a lot 
to go off of on that Jets tape. Besides Sanborn cleaning up the entire world's mistakes, no. I mean, one of the reasons that Jack Sanborn is getting as much run as he does, and, and I know that people like the activity and they love the hustle and they love the tackles. The reason Jack Sanborn's having to hustle and make all the tackles is because nobody else will right now. Like, he is literally it. And it's a yeoman's effort. He is he is giving his all out there. You put a couple of good interior defensive linemen in front of Jack Sanborn and you let him go hunt, which is basically the setup he had at Wisconsin with Leo Chanel in front of him, who I know plays edge, but still that was his job is to trail Leo Chanel and clean up the mess. And he was elite at that. You give him some protection up front. Jack Sanborn's going to look even better than he does right now. Cause right now he's just running for his life and catching everything that everybody else doesn't. So we'll, we will try. And to those of you asking for more spreadsheets and more EJ breakdowns, we will try. We will do the best that we can. Um, but know that we we really are kind of panning for gold at this point, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're trying our best to try to find some things to learn. Um, hopefully this helps to kind of maybe turn it around and look at the other teams and think about it from a future perspective. Are these teams that you're worried about within the division? What are they doing well? What do they, what do they need to do? Because those are the teams you're going to have to see twice a year. And then two examples, I think, of franchises that you maybe hope that the Bears are trying to be, that they're trying to get to that level of support around their young quarterback and try to take the lessons that they have put out there and try to see how those apply to to the Bears. So um, we will uh, we'll leave it there. Um, come back to the drinks. How is the Cayo and the... Oh. Uh, yeah, the, the Cayo and the Kokanee. It's, it's the tale of two Ks tonight. Kayo is one of those things I don't drink it very often because it is a very expensive bottle and and I do want to savor it a little bit, but bringing it out for things like this was it's absolutely the right call. It is exquisite and I am reminded of why the first time I got to try it, I was like, oh my God, like this is really different and I love it. Um, even just the little shot of it, it the first time you first time it touches your lips, you're like, oh right, this is why I spent nine months chasing this bottle this is a really really good bottle for me i love it um kokanee it's just something to wash it down with it's cold uh, it happens to be snowing here i don't know what the weather is in in your neck of the woods but it yeah it is actively snowing right now so the beers in my garage i have that period of the year where i can put drinks in the garage and they stay cold so uh just grab a grab a kokanee out of the garage it's cold already doesn't need to be in a fridge so overall a fine combination for tonight how was yours I, I got to tell you, I'm really impressed. Uh, I think that it's not something you'd want to drink every night. Um, anything like that. This is not a, a bourbon, an everyday bourbon as they call it. But mm -mm. I think that they're doing some really fun stuff and it's a, it's a nice little bottle to have to mix things up. You know, if you, if you, if you like your bourbon and you like to drink it straight, it really is kind of like a super high proof cocktail because you get these fun flavors in it. I think the seagrass um, that we had together, what hit me maybe a little bit better um, in mm -hmm. terms of the flavor profile that I, I, I just enjoyed a little bit more. Um, but this is quite good. And I think you get a little bit more, you get, you certainly get the rum sweetness. And I think you get a little bit more of the, the, the port. I don't really, if the Cabernet does anything, I think it just adds kind of a chocolate note. Okay. Then I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the other one, um, the other bottle the uh, is called like Armida and that's yeah. got like a pear brandy thing. And, and, and uh, that one I think is probably would be the one that people 
the least number of people would like because it just has a different type of feel to it. And I really enjoyed it because it, should, it was so different. So just kind of goes to show you. So now I've had all three of their finished products and I'm, and I'm really excited about them. But you know um, who they remind me of? Burrell Bourbon Brewing. They remind me of Southern Tier Brewing. If you've had Southern Tiers sure. beers uh, or Crux Brewing, Crux Fermentation Product uh, Project out of Bend, Oregon, they just sort of go all in for like just radical flavor profiles and really doing things that other people don't both Southern tier and crux do that on sort of opposite ends of the country. And it feels like Burrell is kind of like, well, bourbon's great. We all love bourbon, but let's mess with it. Like, and <laughs> in a great way, like they've come up with some really interesting things, but you're right. They're not for everybody. They're not for every day. Um, they are for like that special occasion where you're like, try this. It's not like anything you've had. Yep. Want to mix it up. So uh, we're going to stick around on YouTube for an active comment section. And I will just invite you that only listen to the podcast. We do this live. We do this every Wednesday. We're trying to go at eight central every Wednesday. We do a lot of our podcasts with live streams and we hang out afterwards. So if you've never done that sort of thing and you want to try it, um, people are very active in the comment section. And then we kind of come back and, and, and play with those. You can join Lester and I uh, for the game recaps. We will take your nickels uh, for therapy sessions after these Bears losses, you know, a, a day later. Uh, we do that at 6 Central on Mondays. I'm pretty consistent uh, getting that out on time. And you can join us and you can get a sneak preview of what the podcast is going to be because we basically cut this up and, and throw it out on a podcast. So um, little plug there, obviously check the website and all the other things. Join me for gambling on Sunday mornings at 10 central. Anything going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, for those of you listening live, bootleg should be posted at this point. I finished editing it right before this. Uh, there were not very many edits. So our great editor, Jay was able to put it up live. Uh, should be there now with gigabit upload speeds. Go Jay. Um, that one's coming out and then we will be live streaming Thursday night football as usual for Bill's Pats, which be an entertaining game regardless of how it turns out. So, uh, yeah, check out the bootleg YouTube channel tomorrow night, about 30 minutes before kickoff. We'll go live for Thursday night football. Awesome. All right. Thanks everybody for joining us. And until next week, bear down.